Hey Jeepers, on this week's XJ Talk Show. We find out which Jeeps are responsible for record sales here in the U.S. and what changes are in store for what Jeeps in 2015. We hear lots of good tech in the All Thing Wrangler segment with Steve, a radio contact with John, and we get a breakdown of the no bus and no starting issue with Josh. <laughs> we share some voicemails, hear some kind words from one of our listeners, and Amazon's You Buy What returns. All that and more on the next XG Talk Show. The XG Talk Show is for entertainment purposes only. Any advice or information provided on this show should be verified by alternative sources prior to making any changes or modifications to your vehicle. We are not experts, just people that enjoy the Jeep hobby and don't mind talking endlessly about it. P.S. We love you. This just in at the XJ Talk Show News Desk. If you're hearing this, then it's already too late. Welcome to the XJ Talk Show, a podcast about Jeep Cherokees, off-road adventures, and interviews with the movers and shakers in the off-road world. Now, here are your hosts, Tony and Yash. So you'll notice that Josh's wave was very much delayed. That's because he's currently circling one of the moons of Mars. <laughs> Welcome to episode 145 of the XJ Talk Show. And I've already mentioned Josh. My name is Tony. You know me as Mudroy on XJTalk.com. That's a Jeep forum that we're going to be telling you more about during the show. And, well, here's Josh. I am Josh, and you guys know me as NW99XJ or Northwest99XJ, and uh, as you guys can always find me over at XJTalk.com, we'll be talking quite a bit about that beautiful site all throughout the show, so stick around. we got all kinds of stuff for you guys tonight, some tech, some news, some funny, some voicemails, and a lot more, so buckle up, you're in store for a good show. Buckle up, buttercup. So uh, we got, uh, well, we have a lot of tech. What is it? What, how do we say it? It's chock a block, a chock a pock. What do you call it? Chock a block full of tech. There we go. Because <laughs> we're going to be doing radio com tech. We got a uh, all things Wrangler with Steve uh, lifting your YJ part two. And uh, what is the, what was the other thing, Josh? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about no bus and no starting oh, yeah. issues on uh, late model chair. Oh, the things that make you want to pull your hair out, and uh, including the short hairs, because it just pisses you off. It, well, how long was your Jeep down? Three weeks? Uh, it's been about three weeks, yeah. Yep, so you're going to get to hear uh, Josh's frustration and uh, and if he fixed it or not. So uh, looking forward to hearing about that. Uh, any, anytime a Jeep actually runs, it makes me happy. It's <laughs> true. So anyway, this is the XJ Talk Show, a podcast about Jeep Cherokees, off-roading, and the tech that you need to get you there and back. We're here to promote the web's most premier website for all that is Jeep Cherokee, xjtalk.com, the friendliest and most helpful Jeep site on the web. xjtalk.com encourages and answers all the questions and concerns that the first-time XJ owners typically have without any flaming or criticism, all while giving you the best, most depth, in-depth articles and write-ups for the repairs and modifications to take your average XJ to the next level. Now get ready. It's the XJ Talk Show, and it starts right now. First week in G. Chrysler's U.S. sales are up a whopping 20%, and it's all due to Jeep. Chrysler says its U.S. sales last month rose 20% over a year ago for its best August in over 12 years. The numbers are a sign of a strong month as dealers sell off 2014 models to make room for the new ones. Chrysler sold just over 198,000 vehicles last month, led once again by the Jeep brand, with sales up 49% for the Jeep brand alone. Jeeps are in a sweet spot as buyers shift from cars to crossover SUVs, and Jeep's hottest selling vehicle was, unfortunately, the Jeep we all love to hate, the new 2014 Jeep Cherokee. With nearly 19,000 unit sales last month alone, which brings the grand total to 140,000 KLs we need to destroy... The Ram pickup sales rose 33%, and Chrysler's car sales fell 3%. Industry analysts are expecting August sales to increase only slightly from a year ago, but last August was a strong month, and the numbers are going to be hard to beat. Reports should be out later this month for the overall U.S. sales of the brand, and you can uh, get that update right here on the XJ Talk Show. Well, changes are coming, and it's hitting two of the Jeep models for 2015. 
Both of the Toledo-built Jeep vehicles are getting minor updates for the 2015 model year. For the Jeep Cherokee, which was just barely launched last year and amidst a flurry of foobars like the, the likes of which the auto industry has never seen, the biggest change to come is likely the, the addition of start-stop start technology. See, I can't even say it without starting and stopping. <laughs> which becomes standard on all V6 Cherokees. The fuel-saving feature shuts down the engine while the vehicle is at a complete stop. And the engine then restarts automatically when the driver releases the brake. With, a, with Chrysler's recent track record of recall surrounding the SUV lines, this should not be anything to worry about at all, now should it? Unless you're afraid of your vehicle killing you. <laughs> there are also a handful of new standard and optional safety features, backup cameras and automatic headlights for those who can't see to begin with, previously standard only with the limited trim level. Now comes standard on the Latitude and the Trail Chicken models. See what I did there? Jeep is also offering a new optional safety tech package on Latitude Limited and Trail Chicken models. They include blind spot monitoring, rear cross path detection, and parking assist for those who also can't drive to begin with. <laughs> Additionally, the Cherokee's forward collision warning system has been upgraded to help the driver better avoid low-speed crashes. Because, you know, better watch out for that mailbox or garbage can coming right at you. Because, let's face it, if you're in the market to buy a new Cherokee, you, probably, you guys probably don't have the intelligence to avoid collisions anyways. And you can use all the help you can get, especially when it comes to parking. The Wrangler gets a new standard 8-speaker audio system to better blast your favorite Justin Bieber tracks, while the optional premium package relocates the subwoofer under the cargo floor for storage room to make room for all the soccer trophies. The 2015 Wrangler also comes with a new standard Torx toolkit, as if you're going to be turning a wrench on that brand spanking new Jeep all by your lonesome. The Freedom Edition and Willie's Wheeler packages carry over from 2014 with no changes, and there's also a new Rubicon Hard Rock Edition that takes last year's Rubicon X package and adds a nine-speaker premium audio system and new grill inserts, because those are the kind of things that we need to get our Jeeps over the rocks a little bit easier. Hey, if you guys uh, would like to submit a story to be aired on This Week in Jeep, or if you have a response to any one of our stories here on This Week in Jeep, please send an email to newstips at xjtalkshow.com. xjtalk.com is where you go when you're not off-road. And now you can go to xjtalk.com when you're off-road too. Using your smartphone, install the Tap a Talk app, then search for XJ Talk. Take XJ Talk with you wherever you go. Jury duty, dinner with your spouse's parents, even, well, anywhere you need your XJ Talk fix. Hey, this is Mark from DetoursUSA.com. You're listening to the XJ Talk Show. This is Dan from the 4x4 Podcast, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or your MP3 player. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash Show. Yeah, hello, Jeep fans. This is Richard Cranium Allswell III. You remember me from such documentaries as The History of the Baboon's Ass or the Pulitzer Prize-winning short story, I Prefer Pansies Over Tulips and Your Mother's a Whore. Today we dive headfirst into the story of the Jeep Cherokee. The Jeep Cherokee is the most completely insanely awesome vehicle that has ever existed. It wasn't designed by anyone as thousands of them spontaneously appeared in the AMC factories fully formed. It is rumored, though, that Chuck Norris designed it one night while he was bored during the mass shadow ninja invasion of 1984, and that he roundhouse kicked the factories to form the vehicles. We're short on time this week, so please tune in to the next XJ Talk Show, where we'll continue our trek down memory lane with the Jeep Cherokee. Until then, this is Richard Cranium the III saying farewell. And now we share a little love with our YouTube subscribers. We have over 600 subscribers to date and well over 170,000 views and it keeps climbing every week. We pull four out of our list in no particular order, spread a little bit of love around. First on our list this afternoon or this evening or whichever time zone you're listening through, we've got <laughs> Jerry Sterneman, uh, Phil Fran, and Michael Henshaw in our number three spot. 
You're picking easier ones, Josh. I like this. And uh, to round out the list, and number four is Evan Roberts. So, uh, hey, subscribe to us on YouTube, even if you've got a difficult name to pronounce. We'll uh, butcher it very well here on the show. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> Now, thanks for all the subscriptions today, guys. Make sure you tell a friend if you haven't subscribed already. Now would be a good time to head over to YouTube.com slash user slash XJ Talk Show and, well, find us and subscribe. 605 subscribers. And now, before I forget it at the end of the show, we're going to do voicemails. <laughs> they're always, Josh, their voicemails are so important because that allows us to hear from some of our listeners and I, I personally enjoy it immensely, but it always oh. seems like I'm, I'm rushing through the show, watching the clock, and I forget the voicemails. So we're going to do them right now because we got three of them tonight. Hey, this is Tony. And this is Josh from the XJ Talk Show. We want to thank you for calling our 24-7 voice line. Yes, we do. Just leave your first name and your question or comment. There's no guarantee, but we may play your message on the podcast. Oh, and don't worry about keeping it clean. We'll take care of that. Now it's your turn to speak at the beep. Hey, this is Mickey G. And I just want to talk uh, this week about the real reason why we buy Cherokees. And that's uh, for zombie evacuation. And I'm not too concerned about about myself. You know, I'm so full of chemicals and preservatives and gristle that I don't think I'd be good eating for zombies. But I plan on making my money taxiing all these lean, fit guys to uh, safety. And with that money, I'm going to take, I'm going to buy some fencing material, and I'm just going to build a fence around California and just turn it into a giant free-range ranch. I got a feeling in these zombie apocalypse, uh, organic corn-fed hippie meat is going to be primo money. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I will uh, catch you later. Yeah, have a good one. Bye. Hippies and tree huggers tied to trees for your eating enjoyment. <laughs> oh, we've got lots of those uh, free-range hippie meat uh, <laughs> meat bags up here in Oregon. I tell you what. Oh, gee. Anyway, and uh, here's one from Johnny Juliet. Hey guys, this is Joliet Johnny. Fun, a fun new game to play. You know when people tailgate you and they tend to throw on their brights because you're going five over, but that's not good enough? Wow. Instead of brake checking them, just take your foot off the gas. So far, my record is 15 miles an hour before they actually backed off. <laughs> so, I'm curious if anyone can beat that speed. All right. Wow! And if you I don't do, think you record a video of it and post it up and over at XJ Talk Show. Yeah, wow! I just can't. Uh, I can't imagine. Uh, I mean, I've hit the brights. I mean, I've hit the off-road lights on uh, on some people, but it was after a very, very long time of them poking along in the uh, in the fast lane, and uh, I flew it on long enough for them to snap back to reality. You know, get off the phone and think mm-hmm. about where they are and what they're doing and move the hell over. But and whether uh, that UFO that just lit them up is actually landing or not. <laughs> well, I, uh, uh, it's really funny. Uh, I had somebody, a uh, little, little car actually speed up when I went to go around them. Cause uh, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't up close to them. I don't tailgate. I do the two second rule and, yeah. uh, and then they sped up and then got upset whenever I just pulled on over in the, in the lane and they could be there or not. It was their choice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, get out. Of the slow, I mean, get out of the fast lane if you're driving slower than everybody else. It's they not the speed limit. Fast, they call it a fast lane for a reason. You're it's, supposed to go fast. It's not your job to enforce the speed limit. Move the blank out of the way. Hey, this is Mickey G. I'm driving into work today. And I'm listening to the podcast. And I'm laughing some bit. And I'm so jealous that Jim does a better whale song than me. <laughs> All right, guys, I'll uh, keep up the work, and I'll chat you later. Goodbye. <laughs> now, a true performer would a whale song to a message to Jim that only Jim would be able to understand. But that's just me. That's that you know, Nikki G. Whatever you want to call in and talk about. But I'm just suggesting that that would have been a good response. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, good times. And guys, if you if you missed it, it's a little bit of inside baseball there for you, a little inside joke. Uh, you got to have to. You're gonna have to go back and listen to episode 144 and, and, and the one before 143, that, 143 and 144, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because uh, there was a uh, you know, this whole ALS uh, ice bucket challenge. Well, I challenged Nikki G to a whale song uh, challenge to call in the whale song, and so in episode 143, and actually he made it in our promo reel uh that uh, we did because it was just hilarious it was uh, it was hilarious and uh, i actually challenged him for a three minute whale song and thankfully he was only about 45 seconds <laughs> yes thankfully <laughs> well hey guys speaking of uh, prior episodes and other shows and stuff like that you guys are going to have to head over to itunes or stitcherradio.com and find us over there and make sure you guys leave us a five-star review it definitely helps us climb the charts and of course if you'd care to leave a comment we'll be sure to post it up on the air and uh, somebody here recently, uh, where did they, they, they left a, a nice little comment for us. Uh, and I think this is one of our new XJTalk.com members. Oh, this is from me. a post. Yeah, this is actually a post from XJTalk.com. Oh, very good. Uh, he says, and this is uh, Dan Smurf or Dan Smurf. Yeah, I think it's anyway, Dan Smurf. I think it's Dan Smurf. Yeah, he must be blue and small. I found the podcast a couple weeks ago and love it. I downloaded about the last 15 episodes and could not stop listening. Great info and great entertainment. Well, thank you for the kind words, Dan. Very much appreciated. And guys, we've always said, whether it's kind words, just a shout out, or even some constructive criticism, we'll get it on the air. We'll give you props and we'll give you some kudos. And well, we may even address your concerns right here during the live show. You know, I remember one time we got criticism uh, and uh, it wasn't constructive. It was mean and hateful. I cried on my pillow that night and uh, I, uh, I woke up with a still wet pillow and stuck it in a plastic bag to save it forever. <laughs> it's such a keepsake, Tony. You remember, you remember that one? That? You remember that, uh, that uh, non-constructive criticism? I do. And I now do. that I'm talking about it, I think it was directed at you. Oh, uh, we have had some uh, some hate mail, some hate, hate voicemails, <laughs> as as there were, and uh, which uh, were were quite entertaining to say the least. But uh, no, whether whether it's it's mean and nasty or uh, warm and fuzzy, uh, we'll definitely make sure that it gets on the air. Yeah, we play anything, <laughs> anything and everything. Any attention's good attention, right, Josh? It's true. Yeah, we, <laughs> you want to you know throw up three minutes of armpit farts? Well, you we just might get it on the air as well. Okay, we warned you guys, and now here it is. Let's talk about xjtalk.com briefly, uh, Josh. Uh, you know, we we kind of run through this thing and talk about the XJ Talk Show a lot, but the the reason why we're here, uh, this is almost like a PBS please donate thing, I think, uh, that I'm doing. But the reason why we're here is because of xjtalk.com, which is a Jeep forum. And uh, I say Jeep forum, even though it says XJ, we do uh, have uh, people from uh, all uh, Jeep walks of life. In fact, one of our moderators uh, has a, uh, a Wrangler with a V8 in it, which is pretty cool, mm-hmm. that he beats the hell out of down in uh, New Zealand. And then we have another moderator with something that probably doesn't qualify as a Jeep. Uh, it's a, uh, what do you call it? A uh, Liberty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish Amber listened because she would be vibrating right now. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a bad way <laughs> what do you mean it doesn't qualify as a jeep anyway but she does take it off road and uh, oh and you know what i and chat today which you've been uh, missing from uh she said she's going to be picking up an xj this uh, weekend i believe oh wow all right so yeah, anyway we've got, we've got all kinds of members with all kinds of jeeps grand cherokee owners on mm-hmm. there as well and in fact guys if it has a jeep badge on it you are more than welcome on the site uh, we've got some full-size jeep owners on there as well uh, and we've even got some uh, some future Jeep owners that just pop in and ask some questions about yeah. what to look for when buying a Jeep and you know things like that and maybe what even what kind of Jeep uh, would be best for them. All sorts of questions and answers on there. I mean, it's very much a a, a helpful site when you're looking for information about Jeeps. Period. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, we have lots and lots of uh, of tech experts on there that have. Uh, lots of experience and and knowledge in ver- all sorts of uh, areas of expertise, uh, whether it's suspension or electrical or you name it. Uh, we've got guys on there that can help you out. And there's no such thing as a stupid question on that site. Am I right, Tony? That's exactly right. And uh, one of the reasons why the uh, XGTalk.com site was started about five years, a little over five years ago, was because there was so much flaming and uh, dis- disrespect and hatefulness even coming from the moderators of these Jeep sites. 
And uh, I thought, well, this is this is stupid. I, I'm not going to go and try to tell these people how to act or how to run their site. I'll just start my own damn site and run it the way I want to run it. And uh, my stated goal uh, uh, was and still is to take all the members from all the other Jeep sites that are being abused and bring them over to xgtalk.com or have the rest of the sites force their people to act appropriately because we all don't know the answers to all questions. You know, we, we may learn it over time, but there's going to be a point in time where you have to ask some basic stuff and that, and, 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 and answers like, you know, Google is your friend or that question's been asked 10,000 times, uh, you know, basically discouraging you from posting on a forum. How that just doesn't has never made sense to me. So, uh, you know, and, and don't get don't get me wrong, guys. We're guys and girls, and we 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 tease each other and give everybody a hard time, but we do it with respect, and uh, we certainly don't push people away that uh, need help on their jeeps. Oh, and I'll I'll add one thing, Josh. I don't care if you have a jeep or not. You're still welcome to come over to xjtalk.com and become part of the family. That's right. Yeah, very well said, Tony. And so we invite you guys, if nothing else, just to pop over for a visit, peruse the site, and I guarantee you're going to find something that's going to spark your interest. Yeah, there's a lot of fun over there. Well, speaking of Amazon.com and the XJ Talk Show present, you bought what? What were you saying, Josh? I was saying, speaking of fun, we're about to have some fun indeed. Uh, this is our bi-weekly segment. Every other week, we present to you guys this Amazon You Bought What. And what is this Amazon You Bought What, you might be saying to yourself? I'd like to well, know that. Yes, you will. And, and for our listeners who would like to know that as well, guys, we have a great relationship set up with Amazon.com, where if you guys head over to do some online shopping, please make sure you pop over to xjtalkshow.com or xjtalk.com. You're going to find an Amazon banner right there on the main page. Please click on that. It's going to take you right over to amazon.com where you can do any of your online shopping as you normally would to buy those Jeep parts, to buy a new LED light bar, to, well, buy yourself some marital aids, as I've said here on the talk show before. Any, whatever you're buying, whether it's bacon salt or Jeep parts, uh, Amazon has agreed to give us a small little kickback out of whatever that purchase may be. And uh, we don't get to see who's buying what, but Amazon has given us a list of what's being purchased. And, uh, and it's a great way for you guys to support your favorite podcast and, and well, uh, help, keep us, help keep the lights on over here at the XJ Talk Show Command Center. So when you say marital aids, it would be things about reminding you to take out the trash, put the, the, the right. lid of the seat, of the toilet right. seat down, uh, remembering anniversaries. I did not know that Amazon sold those type of things. That's really cool. It is. And occasionally those kind of things will find their way onto our list. We call those the occasional curveball. And you guys have been really good about throwing us a curveball every now and again. Uh, we don't have any on the list for tonight. We've got lots of automotive, fault. some electronic <laughs> stuff as well. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's a little cut and dry for this week. But that just means you guys are going to have to step up, do a little bit of homework, and see if you can't get something on that list that's going to make Tony and I trip up. Yeah, uh, we've we've seen some battery op- by, bleh, <laughs> we've seen some battery operated stuff. I'm looking for something that has a Kickstarter. Okay, Josh, go ahead. What, what would you go first? Well, uh, I always <laughs> love the automotive categories here, and uh, and this one does not come with batteries or a pull cord for that matter, but it is electrical. We have a, a cute a cute queen. Cutie Queen, it's an LED car light bulb, uh, white. In any case, it looks like uh, there's a whole bunch of numbers that go with it, but it's a four-pack of LED car lights. Nonetheless, some cool stuff. Only $5.50, guys, just goes to show you don't have to spend a fortune on Amazon to get yourself on the list. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, it's a pack of four. Some of those numbers look familiar. I think those might be dash uh, bulb numbers that we're looking at, like the uh, the VA9 so I bet you somebody's, you know, I've never seen anybody put, uh, do a LED replacement on the instrument cluster that was able to dim the lights at once they went to LEDs, which kind of yeah. bites, especially if you're out off road at night and you need to see, and all you have is this blinding LED on your dash. I mean, it looks great most of the time, but, uh, you know, I'd like to do the LED swap over, but I, I want to be able to dim them. 
Yeah, with that, you'd end up having to, and I don't want to go too deep into electrical and audio tips, but you'd have to add an external potentiometer to reduce the voltage flow to those LEDs or increase the voltage or uh, increase the resistance across the line uh, as you turn the dial to decrease uh, the voltage there and, and drop those drop the, uh, uh, the the illumination of the LEDs. So, uh, but yeah, so uh, we got a couple of bulbs here on the list, Tony. There's a 20 pack of the same bulbs basically on this list as well. And uh, what else we got? Well, let's see. We have a, a big item, which uh, I was very happy to see. Uh, it is a, is that Seiki? Seki? Seki? It's not Seki. Seiko. Anyway, this is a 50-inch. I was really surprised by this price, too. A 50-inch 4K 120 hertz LED HDTV. We need more acronyms in there, more alphabet soup. Anyway, that was a $449 purchase. Whoever bought that and clicking on our little uh, link before you did, hey, salute to you. Thank you very much for remembering the XG Talk Show. Um, so, uh, man, that's, uh, that's great. And I'll just throw this in here. They also p- spent another forty two eighty five on uh, a four-year pr- TV protection plan. I guess that's if you uh, throw the Wii controller at it or something. Yeah, which uh, there are some <laughs> great YouTube videos uh, about that sort of thing happening. Brand spanking new TV, Christmas morning playing the uh, uh, playing a uh, you know a new Wii game, and uh, and lo and behold, something goes flying into the screen. Well, next up on our list, continuing um, with the uh, uh, with the automotive category, we've got uh, the Walker thirty five eight one nine hardware hanger. I'm not sure exactly what that's for. I took a quick peek in a picture of it, and I still don't know what it's for. But uh, to go <laughs> along with does. that, we have the Walker 35750 hardware insulator. And no, these aren't uh, the Walker that your great-grandfather is using to get through the uh, the grocery store. Uh, these are definitely in the automotive section. So uh, uh, whatever they are and whatever you're using them for, uh, why don't you drop a line over to the XJ Talk Show and uh, let us know what you're using that stuff for. You know, I'm digging way back in the recesses of my brain, and uh, it seems like Walker has to do with exhaust, uh, don't they? Isn't it like Walker exhaust system? I'm thinking okay. it's uh, it might be an exhaust hanger. It very well could be. Anyway, we'll round out the list with uh, a uh, Motorola surfboard uh, 2.0 cable modem. So somebody actually is uh, getting on the internet by going to Amazon. So you got to wonder the chicken or the egg, the, the, the modem or the, <laughs> or the ordering Amazon, which, which was first. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm a, they're, they're either at somebody's house, the public library or at work. I like to think of at work. I had a Motorola surfboard, uh, back with my first cellular plan. That was an old cell phone joke and a very bad one at that. Wow. I missed it. I was thinking I was just trying to make the connection between cell phone and uh, the the, uh, the modem that you were talking about. Oh, wow. Uh, surfboard, large, Motorola. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> we just found out what you bought. Oh, my God. I just can't believe that made it on the list. <laughs> well, we couldn't either, but we appreciate it. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> well, coming up next, guys, as uh, we had promised, we got lots of tech to uh, shoehorn into this show, and we're going to roll right into another offering by a friend of the show and longtime show supporter, uh, John Prerunner1982, with another Radio ComTech. And now it's time for some Radio ComTech. Another warrior is on the visa. This is John Prerunner1982. And if you listen to the previous Radio Comtech segment, I discussed handy talkies, or HTs, as your first amateur radio. Today I'm going to talk about mobile radios as your first radio. Now most hams are more likely to recommend a mobile radio as a first radio, for a couple of reasons. Uh, they're generally considered to be easier to program. Now I say generally, because some of the cheaper Chinese mobile radios can give even the experienced ham radio operator some trouble. Their menus may not be the most intuitive, and their broken English manuals leave a bit to be desired. But really, once you learn the menu programs uh, of any radio, be mobile or HT, uh, really regardless of of brand, uh, most of them aren't that difficult to manually program on the fly. Now, most modern radios can be programmed by a computer, and that's how I do um, all of mine. But manually programming is still good to know. You don't know when a situation may arise that you'll have to manually program a frequency or a repeater that you don't already have saved in your radio. Either you're not going to have the computer with you, or you're not going to have time to turn the computer on and enter all the programming 
and then upload those frequencies to your radio. So at least knowing how to manually program a, a frequency or a uh, repeater um, is, is good information to have. Another reason mobile radios are generally considered to be a better first radio is because they offer more power. An HT may offer 4 or 5 watts, where a mobile radio can range um, high power from 50 up to 75 watts. We're talking a VHF 2 meter mobile radio. And with more power, you're more likely to have a clear, strong signal into the repeater that you're trying to talk through. And with a stronger signal, you're more likely to have somebody respond to you and carry on a conversation with you. Whereas if your signal is very weak and they're having to pull you out of all the static, they're less likely to want to want to carry on a conversation. Now in ham radio, the idea is to use as little power as, as needed to make that contact. But with a ham that's just starting out, having that good strong signal into the repeater so you can learn and carry on conversations and gain that experience is pretty important. As a new ham, you, you don't want to feel that discouragement and feel like you wasted your time and your money getting your ham radio license and, and getting a rig set up. A mobile radio can, can really help take care of some of that, um, given the higher power and better range. You can probably get into just about any repeater in your area within about a 30-mile radius, depending on terrain. A uh, more mountainous uh, area, uh, obviously, is, you're not going to have such a range. Um, but nonetheless, mobile radio helps out in, in that regard. Now, I did start out with an HT as my first radio. had it for about eight months before I invested in a good mobile radio. Operating an HT from inside the vehicle offers very poor signal due to the, most of the vehicle being metal. Now, operating an HT from inside a vehicle in close quarters, uh, such as a small vehicle group, would work fine. But anything more than that, not so much. Now, a, a external antenna, as I've said before, would have helped that and uh, would have helped me. Uh, but at that point, I was, uh, I was ready to have a nice, clean mobile uh, installed. I do still, however, carry um, an HT with me in my Jeep at all times, and I also keep one at the house because they are good radios to have around. Just probably not, not as your mobile mobile radio is primary. That pretty much covers it for mobile radios today. If you have any questions, comments, or anything you'd like me to talk about in a future Radio Comtech segment, please send me an email to freerunner1982 at yahoo.com. This is John, freerunner1982, clear. So I think in a nutshell, what John is saying there is that HT is probably not your best first radio. So, uh, but uh, although that's what he did, <laughs> so do as he says, not as he does. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, but like he was saying, you know, he's somewhat easy to program, uh, you know, can have some fun with it and hitting towers and stuff like that, but definitely not as, uh, as jam packed and certainly uh, doesn't offer you the learning curve uh, as a full mobile radio would. Yep. Hey, Josh, when are you going to get your license? You, uh, you need to do that. Yeah. You know, Tony, I, I've been, I've been threatening to do that for, for quite some time. It's been, geez, I think probably over a year now, probably a good year and a half that I've been saying that I'm going to do it. And, uh, and I've got, I've got, you know, ham radio study apps on my phone. Uh, <laughs> I've got, I've got publications, I've got study guides, I've got several different websites, uh, for practice tests and stuff. And, and I'm, I'm not diligent enough with my, with my studying habits. So I'll, you know, I'll spend a couple few days and I'll go through a couple few chapters uh, and then something will come up and my attention will, will have to get taken elsewhere. And, right. and next thing I know it's four months later and I've forgotten everything that I've already studied. So it's back to the drawing board. And I tell you what, I, that first couple few chapters, though, I got down pat. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, this isn't the, the prescribed way of learning the information, but what you can do is uh, just go online and, and you may already know this uh, you get all the questions and the answers uh, to, to all the quest uh, to all the tests that they give uh, mm -hmm. they give various uh, I don't know four or five different ones so you, you just study all the questions and all the answers and just learn the multiple guess and pass the test I mean uh, I don't consider it as bad as if you are an electronics person by you know nature if you will so you can kind mm -hmm. of figure that stuff out as you go and uh, uh, really, you're learning the rules and regulations. So, yeah, right. I, I it's been a long time ago whenever I studied for mine, but I spent about three weeks um, studying uh, for the test uh, every night for about 30 minutes. And uh, I think I took that was this weeknights. And uh, I did that after school. That's how long ago it was. And, so let uh, me ask you, Tony, let me, I'm going to put you on the spot here. And when was the last time you actually fired up your ham? 
I do it every day. Do you really? Oh, very good. Yeah, because I have one in my uh, my vehicle. I uh, I've been listening on uh, 17 meters, which is a a non-contesting band, so you don't have to listen to anybody doing a contest. Now, you know, of course, mm. generally speaking, you're not going to have contest uh, during the week. It's always on the weekend. You know, whenever you've worked all week and now you want to get on the ham radio on the weekend and you go turn on the radio and it's like CQ contest or a CQ blah, 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 or whatever it is. Just drove me up the right. wall. I just wanted to talk to somebody, see where they were, get signal reports, uh, find out what their first name was, for God's sake. And, uh, but anyway, uh, driving, uh, to and from work, I have the, uh, the ham rig on, uh, every time and, uh, been listening to 17 meters. Uh, if I hear something really loud, uh, I'll get on there the other day. I heard somebody on six meters, it's, I guess a couple of months ago now, uh, I heard somebody on six meters, which is, uh, real unusual for the, to have a six meter band opening and, uh, actually spoke with him. He was in Ohio. So I, I know it's super nerdy to you guys for you guys that, that don't know, don't understand, but think of it this way. This is, this is communication hundreds or thousands of miles away, and the only thing that's necessary is your radio and antenna to somebody else's radio and antenna, whereas with a cell phone or the internet, you're talking about a billion or trillion dollar infrastructure that has to be in place for you to be able to accomplish long-distance communications, and mm-hmm. in, in an emergency Parts of that or the entire thing could be down. So going, knowing how to communicate over long, long distances or even short distances using equipment that you have that is sub $1,000 in some cases like those handy dockies are 50 bucks now or 40 bucks now for God's sake. Less, yeah. <laughs> that uh, you, know, you have the ability to use your communications device for something more than a flashlight because that's what a cell phone is going to be. When all the cell towers go down, you're not even going to be, be able to play that farm game on Facebook. Jeez. <laughs> With your ham radio. <laughs> well, hey guys, this part of the XJ talk show is brought to you by audible.com. I was at work this afternoon. In fact, listening to some Scott Siegler audio books. And I got to tell you, got my heart rate pumping. He's got some stuff out there right now that will make the hairs on the back of your neck stand at attention. If you guys want to get a little thrill like that, you got to check out some audiobooks, and you can find his books as well as others. In fact, 150,000 others over at audible.com. They're probably the web's leading uh, manufacturer, leading <laughs> leading spot to go to for audiobooks. And guys, uh, some of them are not free, but we can get you hooked up with one for absolutely free. All you got to do is head over to audibletrial.com slash xjtalkshow and uh, and sign up it's 100 percent free and we'll actually get you any one of those titles even the longest book they could possibly offer you guys for absolutely 100 percent free so check it out audibletrial.com slash xj talk show like war and peace right that's right <laughs> so we have a uh, an, another all things wrangler segment uh, actually it's part two last week we had uh, part one from uh, steve you know him, you love him. Is 4.3 LXJ on xjtalk.com. He's one of those uh, uh, senior members, and I don't mean age, to senior because he's been on xjtalk.com for so long. Uh, he's one of those senior members of xjtalk.com that always answers questions, is a wealth of information, and oh, yeah. uh, a moderator on, on the site. Uh, I mean, he, you ask a question, Steve is almost always the first person to, to answer your question and, and give you a lot of something to think about. Uh, many choices. Uh, anyway, oh, and real quick, uh, since we're talking about xjtalk.com more tonight, Steve made a really good post that I wish I had done, and it kind of goes in line with the, the FCC uh, information that, that we talked about last, uh, last episode uh, about communications during uh, emergency situations like hurricanes, earthquakes, and so on and so forth. Uh, Steve basically said, uh, oh, I think it was uh, the post was, uh, when does disaster strikes and uh, I was a little concerned. I was afraid that his uh, Dana 35 had finally exploded and uh, taken out three, oh, yeah. three counties <laughs> in the process. <laughs> but no, he was asking, what do you do? Are you prepared for disaster in your area? How are you prepared? Uh, basically, let's think about this, guys. What do you have ready? You know, do you have a, a bug out bag? Do you have, uh, you, you know, certainly we've got a Jeep and it's four wheel drive. It's lifted and stuff. But, you know, do you have food? Do you have water? What are you going to do if uh, if you have radiator damage uh, whenever you're uh, bugging out from your location? Where are you going to, you know, to a safe location? Do you have a tent? Are you going to be able to take care of yourself, your family? And uh, so it was a really good, interesting post. 
Uh, and uh, whether you're, like I said, whether you're a hurricane, earthquake, whatever, it's a good thing to think about, and uh, I'm glad he posted that. So let's get over to our uh, lifting a YJ part two. Thank you again, Steve. Well, we're back with part two of lifting the YJ, and this segment will be a little bit more involved than the first segment. The first segment covered just basically bolting on some higher arch leaf springs and maybe some shackles. And uh, to go any higher than four inches, and, and it's done all the time, uh, it's not that this is an uncommon lift. In my area here where there's a lot of rock crawling and so forth, six to eight inches with 35-inch tires or up to 38-inch tires is the norm here. And to achieve that, we have to do a few things that we wouldn't be doing it with just bolt-on stuff. So uh, if you're prepared to do a wee bit of welding and, and so forth, you can do what's called a spring over. And what this means is, is that we're going to move the spring from the bottom of the axle to the top of the axle. And in order to do that, we have to do a little welding. We have to put a spring perch on the top. Now, a lot of People don't do that. They just uh, drill a hole in the top of the uh, uh, bump stop area, and uh, that accommodates the center bolt. They turn the center bolt upside down, and they just uh, turn the U-bolts upside down then, and they put this on. And what it does is it gives the underneath the spring area there where the spring rests on the axle, it's a very short little spot to... Uh, rest on and what happens is that eventually you get some things called axle wrap and you can eventually uh, if you do it enough or if you hit something hard enough it will uh, bend the metal out of the spring and uh, you don't want to do this so uh, what you want to do when you do a spring over is that you want to get that perch there that spring perch and weld it on so that there's enough area under the spring to support it properly. So uh, what this spring perch, you can make your own perch, but it has to be about the same length as the spring plate that's under the spring now is. So you're looking at something about three and a half, four inches long, as opposed to a two inch uh, bump stop area. And this then would allow you, if you just do the simple uh, uh, spring over with the stock springs, it will give you five and a half inches of lift. Now, the JKS uh, telescoping track bar that we talked about in the first episode will go up to six inches. So you can use this item on your straight spring over uh, conversion. And you also have to redo your shock mounts. You're going to have to make some measurements, and you're going to have to weld some shock mounts on. Now, you can uh, buy some kits for this. They're about 400 bucks from uh, uh, four-wheel parts, and you may be able to find something cheaper elsewhere online, but uh, 400 bucks is a nice uh, round number. And this would allow you to have five and a half inches of lift with doing nothing else to your Jeep, and then add to that your JKS telescoping track bar, and you can have a decent riding, lifted, off-road capable Jeep that drives straight on the highway, because all you've done is just move the axle down, and the rest of the stuff then remains stock. And uh, it's not a bad lift. Uh, it's easy, it's cheap. Now, some people have argued that by doing a spring over, that it increases articulation and uh, that it makes the spring rate softer. This is true if you don't put on that plate underneath the springs because having less area underneath them, it puts more leverage on the center of the spring. And yes, they do flex better, but they don't last as long. So you want to make sure that you uh, do it properly and put the spring perch on and then your springs will last. The uh, next thing I want to address here on this particular item is that there's also called a shackle reversal, and it doesn't mean the same as a shackle reversal on other rigs. What it means is as you move 
the shackle from the front of the spring to the rear. In other words, you can turn the spring around. And this is a useful thing. It allows you to have a tougher spring. And I would suggest that this is also a good upgrade. There are kits for this also. I haven't priced them, but uh, they're available. And what this does is it moves the shackle to the back. And this design has been used on other vehicles, such as the Chevy Blazer and, and uh, uh, the M38A1 military Jeeps. And this makes your main leaf last a lot longer. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to do this shackle reversal on uh, your stock springs if you're going to do a spring over and it will help your Jeep uh, stay roadworthy and uh, you won't be having problems with uh, a bent main leaf because uh, the stock springs don't have a very strong main leaf. So you want to uh, consider this. Uh, there is one drawback, however, and that is, is if you use a higher arch spring with this, then uh, that allows the front axle to move back and forth quite a bit. And this uh, ends up making your drive shaft need a longer spline because uh, at full droop, you're probably going to pull the splines out of the drive shaft. I've done this kind of thing myself and found out the hard way that uh, if you do this type of a thing with a high arch spring, uh, it just doesn't work very well with a stock drive shaft. So bear in mind that if you do that with an a the spring over with an additional higher arch spring that you're going to have to do some drive shaft work and get a longer front spline put on there. They make those for this kind of an application. Not a bad idea, but it does add some expense. So the bottom line is, is the higher you go up with a YJ, it's just like any of the rest of our vehicles, the more it's going to cost you because then you have steering problems and so forth that you have to address. and this will uh, uh, make it a little more costly as you go up and up. And don't forget that you've got uh, shock mounts to still take into consideration with this. And basically, you're going to have to weld those up yourself. You're just not going to be able to use stock shocks anymore. So bear in mind that when you start doing these things, that you're going to have to have some fabrication skills uh, to go with it. Well, thanks a lot, Steve. Really appreciate that. Great information. Uh, you know, I find it strange. I, I mean, I'm, I know engineers do things for, for good reasons. I just find it strange. They actually put the, the, the leaves on the bottom of the front axle, although I guess it helps keep it in there <laughs> if it was to yeah. come loose. <laughs> yeah, and one thing that uh, the Steve didn't mention is, uh, is the risk of axle wrap goes up a little bit when you move your spring perches above the axle. Oh. Uh, spring under... Uh, axle wrap is almost all but eliminated. Uh, when you move your springs up above the axle, uh, it, it changes that fulcrum point and you do get a, a chance. Your, your risk of axle wrap increases a little bit. It all depends on how big your perch is, what kind of springs you're running, uh, and of course the, the torque and, and every, there's a lot of other components that go into, into the factors of all this. But just keep that in mind uh, as you're doing a spring over conversion on your spring under Jeep. Yeah, I was really surprised. You know, my first four-wheel drive was a 1983 Chevrolet short wheelbase pickup, and uh, it had leaves on the front, leaves on the back, and the uh, the the four-inch lift that I got for it was uh, was basically blocks for the back. So, yep. and, and we get this question on xjtalk.com. You know, uh, we even get questions about uh, can I do a body lift uh, on yeah. uh, on the XJ, and they don't they don't know that it's a unibody, and you know, we have to explain that uh, no, you can't do that because. The frame actually is an integral part of the body, and you can't separate the two. Well, you can, but generally speaking, people don't because it's a lot of fabrication. Uh, but uh, so uh, you know, uh, hearing about people putting blocks on uh, to lift the rear of their XJ, you can do it. But it's that axle wrap thing that uh, that Josh was talking about because the leaves just aren't as strong as uh, a, a quarter ton pickups uh, leaf springs. At least that's what I got out of it. Well, and you, you got to take into consideration vehicle weight and, and of course, as, uh, as you get into, you know, a higher, higher climb position and, uh, let's say you're trying to climb a, a steep obstacle and you can't get up it and you start doing that back and forth motion. It's that, you know, with the drivetrain spinning forward as the Jeep is going backwards, 
that axle is going to want to start to wrap up as the vehicle weight comes back against the drive uh, drivetrain components, and that rear axle is going to want to twist uh, or just rotate basically underneath the the torque and the and the and the vehicle weight coming backwards. And if uh, if you haven't taken you know the right kind of precautions, uh, that's when things start to go kaboom. And uh, and things like lift blocks and spring over, um, you know, that isn't done right, uh, will definitely warrant you a lot of some trail side repairs. Yeah, lose a drive shaft and a, a pinion and all, all kinds of good things to get too much axle wrap in there. So, uh, hey, Josh, let's go over to our uh, chit chat section, and you're going to have a little impromptu uh, uh, Jeep tips tonight, a little more tech, to, so to speak. You know bring everybody up to yeah. speed josh uh got back from a, a wheeling adventure and uh, just beat the hell out of his uh, his jeep and uh it sat in the garage for a while and i think you went out there to start it and it wouldn't yep it was about a week that the uh, the jeep sat and uh and it had, had ran fine the prior saturday i had backed it out of, out of the garage and 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 turned it around and and, and nosed it in and uh, and, uh, and there it sat for a week and I, I went to start it up to go, uh, go to the exhaust shop and, and have a new, uh, muffler welded on and lo and behold, it would not start. It would crank, had plenty of juice. It just would not fire. So over the course of several weeks, I threw some money at it. I spent a lot of time. I cussed probably more than I should. I bled a little. I think I even drank some. And uh, and all of that didn't get me anywhere. So I hopped online and started doing some research. And, uh, and, and countless research I did do. I went through my factory service manual quite a bit, pulled a lot of good information out of there, went through many of the testing procedures to go through various components that I was being led to believe that you know could pose this problem. I, I eventually diagnosed the issue uh, surrounding the automatic shutdown relay. And you guys have heard this, the ASD, automatic shutdown relay, is something that uh, uh, is on most of our Jeeps. And and this this can give you some serious problems because it's tied in with the computer. The computer tells the automatic shutdown relay what to do. The automatic shutdown relay tells the computer back what to do. And they all kind of work together along with what is called the 5-volt sensor system. And this 5-volt sensor system includes things like your O2 sensors, uh, like the throttle position sensor, the TPS, uh, the crank position sensor, uh, CPS, uh, the camshaft position sensor, uh, the battery temperature sending unit, the coolant temperature sending unit. All these things are all part of this 5-volt system that the PCM, the powertrain control module, some people call it the ECM or the computer. In any case, on our Jeeps, it's the PCM is how it's referred to by the factory and, uh, and, uh, and of course, the factory service manual. Uh, so the, the PCM, during when you fire up the key, when you, start, when you go to start your Jeep and you turn the key on, for that first couple few seconds, there's a lot of things that all happen at once. And, and part of that is this: the, every, all these components, all these sensors in this 5-volt family all kind of do a quick self-check. And the PCM is looking for a green light on all of them. And, and if, if one of them isn't working right, you're going to throw a code. And in some cases, it's going to tell the PCM that we can't go any further. The PCM is going to send a signal. It's going to trip the automatic shutdown relay. That's going to send a signal back to the PCM and the, and, the, and the powertrain control module, the computer, is not going to turn on the power to the injectors. It's not going to turn on power to the fuel pump. And you are, for all intents and purposes, dead in the water, just like I was. And it's going to run you rampant trying to figure out what is causing these problems. So uh, quick, I, quick question, I, Josh. I, yeah. you, you didn't Go have ahead. a code on yours, did you? Uh, well, here's the thing is that at the same time, uh, a no bus issue popped up. Oh, and this yeah. is when you say when I say no bus um, it, on the odometer. It, it says instead of all the numbers that it should read, it says no bus. <laughs> and you're thinking, okay, well, yeah, you know, no s Sherlock. Um, this is not a bus; it's a jeep. So of course, it should say no bus. No, I'm kidding. Um, and what that <laughs> means is basically the the bus is the main connection. It's the it's the information highway between the instrument cluster and the computer. And, and it's the, the computer or the, uh, the, the instrument cluster is telling you that, hey, I don't have a connection to the computer, so I don't know what to do. And I don't know what to read. I don't know the information I'm supposed to send you. And often, most times, uh, many of your gauges are going to be dead. And, and in my case, you know, it, the, uh, uh, the fuel gauge didn't work. Um, you know, the lights will come on. Um, your warning lights and stuff will come on. You know, all that. But... Um, uh, and of course, you're not going to be able to start the Jeep. And after about 30 seconds or so, the odometer is going to go away and the, and the words no bus are going to pop up. 
And what this is, 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 is a loss of communication between the computer and the instrument cluster. And most, in most cases, 99% of the time, what will fix it is actually removing the instrument cluster, cleaning the contacts, and there's actually a technical service bulletin around this, and I don't have the number right in front of me, but you guys can look this stuff up. It's, there's, it's all over the web, and there are countless write-ups about what to do and how to do it. There's even some great YouTube videos online um, on just how to do this and removing the instrument cluster, cleaning the contacts, what to do, what not to do, what to look out for, stuff like that. And, uh, and what you guys should be doing to fix this no bus issue. And because of that no bus issue, the OBD2, the onboard diagnostic system, would not allow me to hook up a code reader and actually connect to the computer and read any codes. So even though I had an, uh, a check engine light on, I couldn't read the code. I couldn't pull the codes because the computer wasn't talking to the dash and the dash wouldn't, of course, that's where the, uh, the, you know, the, the port for the OBD2 is, it wouldn't read it. So I'm, I'm going through all these sensor diagnostic testing procedures, testing resistance and voltage across different sensors and stuff like that. Everybody's saying, well, if you've got this and you've got this, then it's got to be that. And every, everybody was saying, well, it's your crank position sensor. So I went out and bought a new crank position sensor, slapped that in, even though I knew I tested it, I knew it was good. I put a new one in there anyways, just to see. I did continuity tests on the, on the wires, on the connectors. Man, I, I tested everything. I bypassed the relays. I bypassed the automatic shutdown relay. Put a fuse jumper in there. I knew which terminals I was, I was going for. Did that on the fuel pump relay as well. I was able to turn that on uh, manually, but that didn't do me any good because the powertrain control module still wasn't sending signal to turn on the injectors or uh, to, um, uh, to you know turn on everything else. So even though uh, I could get power to the fuel pump, I still wasn't getting spark, uh, and I still wasn't uh, actually getting the injectors to fire. So, you know, what was the point? So, so let me uh, ask you this. How much trade-in did you get for it when you uh, traded this thing in for something else? <laughs> well, it's funny. When, you know, when I took it to the crushers, they were giving me weird looks. So, <laughs> no. guys, uh, I mean, I literally have spent um, just about every night in the garage for almost three weeks straight um, testing um, cussing, sitting there, scratching my head, just looking at it, waiting for a spark of inspiration. Oh, I didn't check this, you know, and, and of course I'm posting up on multiple forums, including xjtalk.com, um, where I got a lot of good advice, including some good advice from our friend, Steve 4.3 LXJ, who we just heard from. And, uh, and he was talking about, you know, this twisted pair of wires that comes, uh, which can, it, which is the bus. And this is what I was talking about that information highway between the computer and the, uh, and the instrument instrument cluster. Um, but, uh, uh, there was lots of people that were telling me, you know, go look at this, go look at that. One person said, check out the vehicle speed sensor. And I'm like, well, why should I do exactly. that? You know, it's, it's <laughs> it, you know, it's an isolated system. It shouldn't be um, any big deal. Well, sure enough, the vehicle speed sensor, this thing right here, I'm holding up. This is why you guys got to tune into the live show. This is the thing that sits, it plugs into the side of your transfer case and you've got a harness that plugs into it. And, uh, you know, it's just a little three pin harness. Uh, that, that plugs into it, and and this is the thing. This you know this this gear spins, and this is what tells the computer or what tells your dashboard, um, you know how fast you're going. This is the vehicle speed sensor, and when this thing goes bad, it's going to take down the entire system with it, and that's exactly what happened with me. There was a short in this or something, and I'm going to take this thing apart. I'm going to find out exactly <laughs> how this thing works. It's a non-serviceable part, but I'm going to take a hammer to it. I'm going to have some fun with this thing, and uh, and we're going to see what makes this thing tick. And I'm going to find out exactly why this one went bad and uh, and find out a little bit more as to how this is going to take down the entire computer system of your Jeep. It, it, and this is primarily referring, guys, to, to 97 to 2001, yeah. the late model Cherokees. It makes so, no sense to me. The vehicle's not not moving. So why do you need, when you start in it, so why do you need a vehicle speed sensor working? So, hey, yeah. real quick, while you got that thing out, uh, show, yeah. the, show the guys how easy it is to change the Speedo gear. Guys, this, this, I mean, literally, I'm going to try and do this without banging my microphone, but it literally, there we go, just pulls right off. Yeah, I mean, just, you're talking about one bolt to take that sensor out of there, and then and, there's no bolts to pull the, the Speedo, and you get the right tooth gear to go in there for your size tires and differential gearing and uh, automatic standard, yada, yada, and put that in there, and now you can drive the correct speed limit around the police officers. Yeah, and that's it. Like that. That's putting it back together. It's that easy just that easy and it's one bolt guys one bolt there's a little clip that rests into these little grooves right here on the side of your transfer case one bolt and one little clip that mm -hmm. holds this thing in and literally it just 
Yeah, you definitely right need to have that thing turned or clocked properly so the gears mesh internal mm-hmm. to the uh, the transfer case. And, and if Josh didn't say, the transfer case is where that uh, that special little to- toy tool is. Yep, yep, indeed. So that's, guys, this is what has been the bane of my existence for the last three <laughs> weeks. So yeah, the Jeep is back up and running. Um, it still has a horrible exhaust leak. So hopefully I can get that taken care of here real soon. I've got the uh, the muffler to replace it. Uh, I didn't bring that in with me, but I did bring in, here, hang on just oh, a quick Oh, good. I was going to ask you about that. A new toy that I got. Well, not exactly a toy, more of a tool than anything. And that's I picked a, this up from friend of the show, friend of Tony, local Texas resident, and uh, and member on the site, M. Smorenberg. Uh, and uh, Matt is a good friend of, uh, of ours, and uh, and he was kind enough to uh, to pass along a great deal uh, for me on on these uh, on this. This is a 42 inch LED combo light bar. It's got uh, it's got the the flood on the ends and the spot in the middle. And this thing is pure beef. It's made with Cree LEDs. This is some awesome, awesome technology. I got it for a killer price. Guys, if you want something like this on your Jeep, go hit up Matt, Matt Smornberg, M.S. Smornberg over at xjtalk.com, and uh, he might just be able to get you hooked up with one of these while supplies last. Yeah, and if you can't uh, if you can't remember the name or whatever, you can just contact uh, Josh or I, and uh, we'll put you in contact with Matt. Now, <clears throat> I know Matt made a, a large purchase because he was trying to he was trying to do a, a, a mass purchase to because it was a, a better price when you order several of them at a time. And he was looking for other people to uh, to purchase these things, which Josh was one of them. So uh, Matt may be doing another uh, large purchase. So if you want to get in on that, uh, go over there to xgtalk.com. Seek him out and let him know that you uh, would be interested in, uh, I'm sure you want to know the price before you're, you're 100% interested, but uh, uh, let him know you're interested and he can probably do another uh, big purchase for uh, the uh, xgtalk.com members. Well, that wraps it up for our show tonight, guys. Hope you guys have learned something. I hope you had some fun and enjoyed yourself while watching the live show or listening to our podcast. And don't forget, guys, we are all over the web. Make sure you're checking us out 